and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David continues the Walking in Their Shoes series as he takes a look at the prophet Micah and Micah's vision of a world at peace. Let's listen. Okay, on that note, today I want you all to start thinking about the things in life that bring people together. Uh, We spend enough time talking about the things that divide us or tear us apart, but what about those things in life that almost universally simply bring people together? I'll give you one example. Uh, My neighbor invited my family and I to her family's farm, and there was one reason why. Two words, baby goats. A goat became pregnant was ready to give birth, and they, they thought, oh, your girls need to come see these baby goats. And so we, we said, absolutely. I mean, what else do you say to that? So we came, and uh, we've got a picture of myself, and I'm holding my daughter Zoe, and then she's cradling this baby goat. And as we did so, the thought that ran into my mind was, how could anybody be mad when they're holding a baby goat? I mean, it, it's impossible, absolutely impossible and in kind of a silly way, that sort of picture struck me as like, oh, well, that, that would bring people together. I mean, who wouldn't like to do something like that? But what else? What else brings groups of people together? I thought of a couple things this week. What about when all people of that group feel valued and appreciated for who they uniquely are? When's the last time you have felt like that? I mean, that automatically opens your heart to being more accepting to other people and and how uniquely they are. Or what about really good food? I mean, there's a reason why so many gatherings happen around a meal, isn't there? There's something bonding that everyone can say, ah, yeah, I'm really enjoying this experience. Or how about a shared purpose? Yeah, when everyone's working together to accomplish something good, something that they believe in and and they're striving for together as a group. All sorts of things in life bring people together. Well, our scripture today is going to give us a shared vision. And it's this vision, which I believe, after reading it and studying it this week, it's that vision that I believe will bring us together. So each week we've been studying a different prophet, and today's prophet is Micah. And Micah was from a small town called Morsheth Gath. And you may be wondering, well, where was Morsheth Gath? And it was about 25 miles south of Jerusalem. Uh, In Micah's time, this was a really rural area and an economically depressed area. Uh, In fact, in this time period as well, there was a bit of a divide between those who lived in the city and those who lived in the country. Uh, Micah often spoke out against the rulers of Jerusalem because he felt they were taking care of those citizens' needs at the expense of people who did not live in the city of Jerusalem. Thinking that and reading about that, I thought, well, isn't geography just another example of what can divide us as people? You can have the rural versus urban, 
the city versus country. But through Micah, God decides to give a vision for all people. Not just those from the city or the country, all people. No more artificial divides conjured up between groups of people, all people. So let us study together God's vision. It begins in Micah chapter 4, verse 1. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and peoples will stream to it. So in Micah's prophecy, we get a glimpse of what the future could look like, particularly the type of future that God wants to create. And it's a wonderful visual, but you're going to have to use your imaginations this morning. So imagine a large mountain, and it's this mountain that's rising up higher than all the other mountains in this area. Yes, in this time period, mountain peaks were known as being holy places. People felt that when you traveled up to the highest peaks, it just felt like you were closer to God, closer to heaven. And so many religions in this time period had their own holy mountains. In this vision, there's one mountain that is standing above all the rest, and it is the mountain of God. And did you notice what's happening to that mountain? Different groups of people are streaming up to it. Now, that's not normally what happens on a mountain. Normally, because the, the mountain includes a snow-packed peak at the top, then during the summer months, when that snow melts, the mountain runoff gushes in the form of rivers and streams from the mountain itself, a picture kind of like this. But that's not what's happening in Micah's vision. No, instead of water streaming down from the mountain, people from all over are streaming up to the mountain of God. And what are they doing there? What happens when they come to God's mountain? That's verse 2. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So people from all over the world are streaming up to the mountain of God to learn from God, to be taught by God. I mean, imagine for a moment if all people on earth were taught right from wrong, if everyone had a shared sense of values, if everyone universally chose to walk in the paths of God, yeah, the whole community would decide to treat others like they would want to be treated. The whole community would love others as much as they loved themselves. Yes, such a, a vision is really community-shaping. It would change who that group of people was. And so they streamed to the mountain of God to be taught the values of God. And not only that, in the next verse we're told that God will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes 
for strong nations, far and wide. Okay, are you still using your imagination to picture this scene? Well, then I want you to think, if nations today take issue with one another, I mean, what do they do? How do they settle those disputes? Because in this vision, if nations had disputes between one another, they would go to the mountain of God, and God would judge between them and settle the disputes of the nations. Well, that doesn't happen, obviously, today. No, today, well, I would think the first steps, if nations are arguing or disputing with one another, is that they'd send their diplomats in, right? They'd send their diplomats to negotiate. Uh, my wife and I are watching the Netflix show Madam Secretary right now. Um, we're deep into it, about the fourth season. And it's really fun because you've got all this political intrigue with kind of the, the uh, foreign nations and what's happening out there. But the first step of what we're learning is they always send their diplomats, people to negotiate behind the scenes and try to settle the issues and problems. But what if that doesn't work? Well, the next step might be sanctions or coercion somehow, even financial coercion to say, okay, you're not going to be allowed in the global markets if you continue to act in this way. And what if that doesn't work? What would be the next step? Well, sometimes war or violence. Yes, this is how nations settle disputes today. But in Micah's vision, God is going to be the ultimate judge between all the peoples of the world, which means that no longer would anyone feel like they were deprived of justice. I mean, no more would people have to worry about not having their case fairly heard. Now, what I find so interesting about this is that all of the nations remain distinct nations, but under God as Lord and judge of all. So what would the natural result of having God as ultimate judge and authority be? That's what we learn in the next verse. Micah says, The nations will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation nor will they train for war anymore. It turns out that if God is the final judge, then no one would have any use for weapons anymore. Will you fancy that? Yes, the nations will take their swords, the things that, that used to be used for violence, and they'd give them to the local blacksmith, who would melt down that material into farming equipment. And the same fate would happen with the spears. The spears would be changed because they're no longer needed for battle, and instead they'd be transformed into gardening equipment. Can you imagine a world without war? Can you imagine a world where issues are worked out constructively for the greater good rather than with violence? you may have a hard time believing that such a world can exist. And I don't blame you. I mean, one congregation member, for example, sent me a photo from Budapest this week. Um, this is a photo from the end of World War II, 
where people in Budapest were attacked by Nazi forces. And many of them were driven to this very river where they were shot then into the river. And this memorial now stands on that very river as those shoes being a constant reminder of how horrible humanity can be and also a pledge to do better. Imagine walking in those shoes and realizing the deep cost of war and violence. By one count, America, for example, has been at war for 93% of its history. They've had 228 years of active conflict and 16 with none. Yes, it can seem unrealistic to hear Micah's vision and imagine a world where that's possible. But I think that's one of the reasons why God gives us this vision of turning swords into plowshares. Because if we can't even imagine it, if we can't even comprehend it, then how will we ever believe in it? How will we ever actually work towards it? This is a vision that God gives us for a reason. Not so that we can dismiss it and say, God, you know that's not realistic in the world we live in today but so that we can be inspired and empowered to take steps, practical steps, towards realizing that very vision. Yes, God has casted the vision of a peaceful world, and this is the vision that Christians should strive for each and every day. So Micah, at this point, has described how God's vision will affect large nations. But what about individuals? Well, that's where Micah goes next. In Micah 4.4, he says, Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. In my Tuesday email, I referenced the musical Hamilton. One, because I love the musical Hamilton, but also it's because in that musical, George Washington um, decides not to run for another term of the presidency. And in doing so, he references this very Bible verse. I was curious about the historical accuracy of this. Uh, did George Washington ever actually quote Micah 4.4? So I did some research this week and found out, yes, actually many times he referred back to this very verse that we are studying today. You see, George Washington, our first president, saw this verse as describing the ideal that America, this new country, must strive for. A place, in his mind, free of military rule, or in his really case, free of British oppression, um, and a reference to the upcoming Revolutionary War. But he believed in a place where everyone, man and woman, can sit under their own fig tree in their own yard and not feel afraid, but instead feel a deep sense of peace at all times within them. Uh, once, George Washington wrote a letter to a Jewish synagogue in Rhode Island, and here's what he wrote. He said, May the children of the stock of Abraham, who dwell in this land, continue to merit 
and enjoy the goodwill of the other inhabitants, while everyone shall sit under in safety under his own vine and fig tree, and there shall be none to make him afraid. Yes, may all people who dwell in this land, he is saying, feel safe in their own homes and in their own yards at ease in this new country of America. George Washington caught hold of Micah's vision. Now, as we said, this vision, it can seem almost unrealistic at times. Can we really live in a world without war or senseless violence? Micah would say yes, but we have to start here, where collectively we agree on the vision that we believe in, and the vision that we commit to working towards That's what Micah sets out for us today, striving to create a world where each person and each family can feel safe in their own home, their own yard, under their own fig tree. Start with the individual, it seems like he's saying, and the rest of society will then follow. Now, in this final section that I want to study, what I'd like you to do is notice the different types of people that are included in this vision? What are the different types of people that God wants to be a part of this new and safer world? Here are the last couple verses we'll study. Micah says, All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. In that day, declares the Lord, I will gather the lame, I will assemble the exiles and those I have brought to grief. I will make the lame my remnant and those driven away a strong nation. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion from that day and forever. So who's included in this list, this category of this future world? Well, I I wrote down a couple of people that I noticed I noticed the lame. I noticed the exiles. I noticed the grieving. And I noticed those who are driven away by the powerful. What do all these groups of people have in common? Well, two things, really. The first is that they're all on the the margins of society. It's very easy to go through your normal day, your normal life, and and not notice these groups of people. They are often unseen by the majority of the world. That's the first thing they have in common. They are on the margins of society. But the second thing they have in common is that God chooses them as his own. Doesn't this remind you a little bit of Jesus' wedding banquet in the New Testament and the type of guests that are invited to that banquet? Yes, perhaps this should be a sign for us to pay more attention to those who are living on the margins of society, to walk in the shoes of the lame, and attempt to see life through their eyes and their particular needs, to walk in the shoes of the exiles, anyone who feels like they have been pushed to the fringe of society for who they are or for what they believe to walk in the shoes of those who are grieving. Or as Paul later says in the New Testament, 
mourn with those who mourn, truly, deeply experience what other people are experiencing. Walk in the shoes of those who have been driven away by people in positions of power, those whose voices are not heard. Yes, be committed to not listen simply to those who shout the loudest. This is God's vision shared through Micah of a more peaceful and inclusive world. So we as Christians, may we work towards this vision. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.